Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. your Bible with you today. Let's make our confession as we go before the Lord today. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. The Word changes you, doesn't it? It changes you for the better. I'm so thankful for the Word of God in my heart and in my life. And let me get where I'm supposed to be right here. And uh, you can be turning with me just a moment to the book of Colossians as we're headed to. I'll talk about a couple verses before we get there. But uh, we've been talking for the last uh, several weeks that uh, I've been uh, here ministering about what I call the big picture in other words, it's backing up and getting an overview of just what is happening in God's kingdom and what is happening with God's plan. Now, there's a lot more that you could talk about other than just what I've talked about here in these four Sundays now, counting today. Uh, but this gives you an overview of what's happening. We talked about when we first looked at God's creation. We saw in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, and 28, how that God had created us to have dominion, have authority, to replenish, to multiply, to repopulate this earth, to do all the things that he tells us to do there in Genesis chapter 1. He created mankind, put him in a beautiful garden, put him in a wonderful paradise, just gave him everything that he needed and really so much more that he blessed both Adam and Eve with uh, in this beautiful garden of abundance where God placed them. We know what happened. The next scene that I'm looking at in this big picture has to do with Satan's deception. We saw Satan come on the scene, and like it is with any other thing in your life, whenever you begin to be blessed or you begin to walk in the favor of God and the goodness and grace and mercy of God and you begin to walk that kind of lifestyle, you will see the devil show up in your life to test you, to tempt you, and try to steal from you and take away from you that that God has given you. And this has begun here from the very beginning. And we know that he deceived Adam and Eve, for nobody is going to follow the devil if they knew what the outcome of that trip or journey would be. They would not do that. And so here he comes in to deceive Adam and Eve. He promises them this and that, and he says, here's the real reason that, that God doesn't want you to eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil that he talked to them about in Genesis chapter 2 and verse uh, 17, uh, where God had told them, you can eat of all the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you cannot eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And the devil says, that's not true. And he tells him God's word is wrong. God has an alternative motive here. The reason he's saying that is he doesn't want you to be like him. He knows that when you eat of that tree, you'll be like him and you'll be like God. And so God doesn't want that. And he lied unto Adam and Eve. They bought the lie or they bought the deception. They were deceived. It wasn't the truth. They bought it. And when they did, they did what God had commanded them not to do. And every time that you do something God commands you not to do, you always lose. You never win. You are never in the victory by going up in opposition unto God. 
And they did that. And when they did that, they lost out with God, just like God said, they surely died. They were separated from God that very day. And uh, no longer were they in the presence and in that relationship with God that they had prior to this time before they uh, gave themselves over to Satan's deception. And so because of that, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. They lost their paradise. They lost the blessings that this world had at that time. The world was cursed. I mean, everything was cursed. Uh, that could be cursed. Man, by the sweat of his brow, would now earn his living, causing to make the earth bring forth. Uh, women would have problems in, in their life when in regard to childbirth and, and this uh, uh, submission-type role that they had that day. They said, you'll look to your husband now. That was part of uh, the curse that he talks about in Genesis chapter 3. And so they were cast out, and they were living in this world. And so for the next 4,000 years of history, all the way up to the time of the cross, mankind is living under the curse of this earth. He is under the, the jeopardy of his sin, of what he has done during this time. And God wants him out. And so God develops a plan. How can he get Adam and Eve back into relationship with him? How can he get them back into his favor and his goodness and grace where he can overshadow them with all of his blessings? Because he can't bless them as long as they're in a sinful lifestyle. If they do, then sin will just multiply in God's kingdom, and God would never, ever have that. And so he wants to bring them back into favor with him. He does it by the Lord Jesus Christ who comes, and the third scene that you can see, Christ's substitution, Christ comes and bore the penalty for our sin, for that that you and I were judged guilty for, and the punishment that we had on our lives, for the time, if you will, we had to serve under that sin, Christ came and he bore our sin for us. And thank God what God has borne for us through Jesus Christ, you and I do not have to bear. Somebody say amen. That's one reason it wants to make you just sort of get fighting. I don't like the word. I don't use it a lot, but fighting mad about some things. That whenever you look at the blessings of God that God has given you and the devil's trying to keep them away from you and you know that Jesus Christ paid for every one of those blessings at the cross, that can make you fight mad. I am going to receive what God wants me to have. How many will join me? Somebody say amen. That's what we're doing. Won't let go. Won't give up. Won't quit. No, 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 no. We are going to receive what God wants us to have in this life. And so Christ substituted himself for us. In other words, <clears throat> you can think about it. It gets us back into the good graces, the good favor of God, and really gets us back to uh, the garden, so to speak, back to that time. Now, there is going to come a full completion of the restoration of the earth. It hasn't happened yet, but there is a day that that is coming. And so there is this process that is taking place in the earth and in the world that you and I live in, the universe that is here. It is the restoration. The Bible says in the book of Acts that the earth is groaning, groaning to be back to where it wanted to be or needs to be. And so the earth is taking that process, and God is going to bring it to fulfillment. But you and I, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, on the inside and in the spirit, man, we truly can be born again and in the realm of the Spirit, we can walk as Adam and Eve walked, so to speak. We can be at that place of restoration that God has provided for us. And that brings me to this fourth and last scene that I'm looking at in the big picture. And it's this. It's our restoration. Everybody say, our restoration. Say it like this. Say, my restoration. Say this. Say, I am restored to the things of God. I'm restored to the things of God. We are not on the outside looking in. I don't know that we do it that much anymore. I think they changed things, but used to. You'd have the downtown squares like we have uh, here in, in Lawrence. And over the years, many, many years ago, you might have walked downtown when everything was closed. But that didn't matter because what happened when everything closed, they had these big windows. 
and you would walk around the outside and you would look through the window, wouldn't you? And you might see something that you wanted to buy or something there. Maybe it was a, a, a dress if you're a woman or a suit if you were a man. Maybe you might look into a jewelry thing there and, and see a ring that, uh, you know, I bought over there for Sheila years ago. And you might see that and uh, different things. And we would do what we call window shop. We were window shopping. And we were just dreaming about this and that and other. And some things, you know, maybe you'd come back and buy something. Maybe you wouldn't. It'd just be on your dream list for a long, long time. But you know what? You don't have to be that way in the kingdom of God. It's time for Christians to quit window shopping and recognize that the front doors have been thrown open and you can go on in and just have your fill. Somebody say amen. That's where we're at. And that's what you should do in this life because you have been restored. We used to sing a song years ago called, I've Been Redeemed by the Blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Filled with the Holy Ghost I am. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. Am I the only one that knows that song? Anybody else? Oh, that's an older song that's out there. That's one of those revivalistic songs that they sung years and years ago. But we have. We have been redeemed. We've been purchased back. The devil no longer has hold on us. We are not his property anymore. We are the property of Almighty God, restored, completely redeemed unto the Lord. That's what I'm wanting to talk to you about today. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. Turn with me there, because to the degree that you hear this morning the word of God, rather than the word of Leon, will be the degree that faith rises in your heart and life. It will be commensurate or directly related to you walking in blessing. When you recognize something is God's word, then faith will come in your heart and life, and it is miraculous. So look with me, and particularly in this day that we live in. I don't like using this kind of language, but it's true. We're living in a world of apostates. You say, what are apostates? Preachers gone bad. It can be Christians gone bad too, but preachers gone bad who are wanting to take people away from the clearly revealed word of God. People have apostatized. Now, the only way they apostatized, at one time they were doing right, doing good, but now they've walked away from the right and good. It's amazing in our world, in our life, the things that you hear in the Christian community nowadays where people have gone and what they're doing and the doctrines that they used to teach that they don't teach anymore and, and all of these kind of things. Somebody just several weeks ago came up with a, a, a new doctrine on something they didn't believe anymore. And uh, I went to my study, and I pulled out 18 books by 18 ministers I have known over my lifetime who all preached and taught the thing that then they now say is not of God. I said, you're going to have to make every one of these people a liar? Oh, no. Ain't no way. Not those people that, that I have followed in the faith. My father's in the faith, so to speak. No, 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 no. Not liars. They stood the test. They preached the word of God, stood strong in those kind of things, and did not depart from what thus saith the Lord God is. So be careful. So judge me. Judge me today by the word of God. And as I always said, what you find that is true and it lines up with the word of God, take it, believe it, act on it, live on it, and you, you, know, you can just rest your life in it. If it's not of the Word of God, let it fall to the ground and be easily forgotten. Okay? All right. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. The Bible says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in the earth or things in the heaven. Now, notice we have 
made peace. God's no longer mad at you. He's no longer angry at you. He's no longer upset with you if you've been born again. Okay? Because peace has been made. How? By the blood of his cross. It's what Jesus did, not what you did. It's by the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile. Remember that word, reconcile. All things unto himself. You and I have been reconciled unto God. We didn't reconcile God unto us. We didn't make God in our own image. No, God made us in his own image. And now he has reconciled us unto him. I say whether there be things in the earth or things in heaven. Well, I'm on the earth right now, so that's, that's definitely me. Verse 21, and you, Leon, that were sometimes alienated, enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. I'm reconciled to God. Verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. If you cannot look at your own life today and say, I am holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. If you can't speak those words, one of two things is wrong. Number one is, you haven't been born again. Or number two is, you don't have a revelation of what the new birth is. One of those two. But you can't go and be cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and not be holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. How many is holy? Somebody say amen. How many is unblameable? Say amen. What's the other word that talks about there? How many of us that are here right now are we are unreprovable? Say amen. How? By the blood of the cross. By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 23. You've got to stick this on there. If you continue in faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the Well, I'm not planning on moving. How about you? No, I'm not moving away from this gospel. The gospel works. It works all the time, every time. The gospel is powerful. The gospel is the word of Almighty God. Not moving away from the gospel. I still have a hope of the gospel, which you have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Now, now notice there's several times there. Let's count them in verse 20. We see the word reconcile to him by to reconcile all things in himself. We've been reconciled. Verse 21, and you who he has now reconciled, past tense, something happened at the cross. We have received it by faith, and now it has become a reality in our life. What does it mean to be reconciled? Listen to this. The word, when you look it up, means to exchange. It means to exchange. You've exchanged something for something else. To exchange, to change from being an enemy to friendship. No longer an enemy with God. That, that's why we're not fearful. Remember what Adam and Eve did when they found out they had sin and everything? They hid. Why did they do it? Adam said because he was afraid. We're, we're no longer enemies of God. I don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to hide anymore. Now, before we came to Christ, you could hide, but you were just playing a game with yourself because you can't hide from God anyway. But you just, you know, but before you came to Christ, certainly, but not now. Not now. I've been reconciled. I've moved from an enemy under, uh, relationship to a friendship relationship, exercising his grace. W. Vine said this, exercising his grace towards sinful man on the ground of the death of Christ. I'm reconciled on the basis of what Christ did for me. It's the blood of his cross. That reconcile me. To say that I'm not reconciled is to attack the integrity and the credibility of Christ dying on the cross. 
And that we will never do. No, we've been reconciled based on what happened at the cross of Christ Jesus. We are no longer enemies. Another thing he talked about, God hath made whereby their sins can be remitted and they themselves be justified in his sight. Sins are remitted. You know the difference in that remittance? It seems like he's using a lot of counting words to me when he talks about reconciliation and he's talking about remittance. Those are things that we all did, you know, in accounting, that kind of thing. When you would reconcile your bank accounts and, and those kind of things, make a match what the bank says. I don't ever do that. I make the bank match what I say. I mean, if there's going to error, my first thing is the bank made a mistake, not me. But I've made a few mistakes. We all have. But uh, I'm starting at that. I want to reconcile them to, to what I say it is. And uh, the same is true when we, when we think about that remittance. It's sort of an accounting term as well. When you uh, have something that you give back and you send it back away. And uh, those that person that usually sent it to you. And here our sins have been remitted. My sins have gone back to the devil that gave them to them. I can't think of anybody else I'd rather see get them, would you? Back to the devil. Somebody say, devil, take this. My sin, take this, devil. You just take in Jesus' name. All right. And, and so this is the essence of what's happened. We have been restored. We have been reconciled by the blood of the cross. Now, look at Second Corinthians chapter 5. I sort of gave this a verse of Scripture, and none of these things are absolutely new to us. They, they are things that we all should know, and they should be revelation to us. But really what has happened is the great exchange. I saw that word uh, that W. Vine used in his expository dictionary about that word reconcile, and he used that word exchange, and I thought about exchange, exchange. Something has been exchanged. Now, you can go back. Let's say that you go to, uh, in, in Lawrence, you don't have many options uh, around, just a few, but go back to Walmart or Belts or something like that, and, and you bought something, uh, a cloth item. Let's say it didn't quite fit you right, or you didn't like how it looked, or you wore it four times, you're going to take it back. But anyway, no, and it w wasn't really what you saw yourself wearing, and you went back to them with the receipt in hand and the item in hand. You went back, and uh, you said, I want to exchange this. There's something else you could have done, which would have been called what? You know it better than exchange. It's called a refund, couldn't you? You could have went and, and took it back and, and got money back instead. You could have got a refund. Or you could say, I want to exchange this. I just didn't like that. It was the wrong size there. So exchange this for a different size. Then I'll be. So you exchange something. You give one back, you take another. Give one back and you take another. Keep that in mind because that is what has happened in our lives. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, and old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. To be truly born again, old things have passed away, all things have become new. That is the experience that takes place in the new birth. Notice what he says in the next verse, in verse 18, And all things are of God. Everything I've got into my life in the new birth that God gave me were of him. I mean, it wasn't bad things. It wasn't evil things, wicked things, sinful things. They're all of God. And who hath reconciled us? That word again, verse 18. He reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're just not going to get past it. The Bible said in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, not by any works of righteousness which we have done, but according to grace has he saved us. And so it's not what you do. I, I can't die on a cross. I, I can't make myself holy enough to be acceptable in God's presence. Only can I do is exchange my life for the life of Christ. And that's what he's talking about in this reconciliation. Hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. To wit, or this is what's going on. Was God was in Christ reconciling the world into himself. 
What was the cross about? What was the manger about? What was the life of Christ about? God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. That's, that's what he was doing, reconciling the world unto himself. By how? By not imputing their trespasses unto them and have committed unto us a word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. God did beseech you by us, we pray. In Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Notice this reconciliation, exchange with God. Let God give you this divine exchange. Let God restore you. Let him reconcile you. He's not saying that, that go somewhere and learn a creed of conduct or go through this class structure and this study and, and from your understanding of that, that then you'll be made right with God. Some of those things are good in their place, but that's not what he's talking about whatsoever. He's talking about you and I making this change. Give up who you are. Let go of who you are in your life. Give it away. Give it all to God and say, God, I don't want anything about Leon anymore. I want everything about you from now on. And if you'll do that, you'll get a real born-again experience in your life, and it will change your life. You want to be miserable? Just put your toes in the water and try it out. You want to be miserable here at this church or any other church? Just say, well, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to get too involved. I'm not going to get too involved. I'm just going to be a wayside person. I'm going to stay back here at the back. I'm going to be looking on all the rest of y'all. I don't, I don't get too involved. I don't want to get too close. No, 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 no. No, you'll have a miserable experience if that, if that be your case. Get in the thick of things. Get right in the midst of things. And just give God everything. What did Jesus say in the book of Luke? He told us, he said, the person that wants to hold on to his life, he's going to lose it. But the person that gives it away, he'll really find it. And that's where you have the happiness and joy. I think AJ sent out a little, if you didn't get it on email, it's because we don't have your email or because you blocked us one. But anyway, if, uh, look on your email. I think he sent that letter out to other people or just me. I felt really convicted when I got it. Well, it was everybody. Okay, everybody got it. And what I was talking about is uh, some place in the church where we need some of you to step up and volunteer and get involved in some ministry of the church. Let me tell you something. If you get involved in ministry of the church, any complaints you have will sort of go by the wayside. Because once you get involved in the doing of things, you realize the struggles, the things that we face, and leadership, and those kind of things within the church. And you realize everybody's sort of, you know, doing the best they can do. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we sort of nudge a little bit and have to make some corrections, those kind of things. But when you get involved, it takes away a critical spirit. It takes it away. Because you're part of the worker. You're part of the situation that's going on. You're part of doing what it takes to make it happen. And you know the ins and outs of ministry. And so if you got that, get involved. Get involved in something. Don't, don't just keep dipping your toe in, in, in the things of, of God, but get fully immersed in the things of God. Get there. Now, notice verse 21. For he hath made. Oh, my, here it is. He hath made. If you could not get any other scripture in your life other than this one, this is one of the great ones in, in the whole Bible. I love it. I love it. For he hath made. God hath made Christ, him that we're talking about here, to be sin for us. He is our sin bearer. There's so much you could unpack there. He is our sin bearer. He bore our sins. But he's also our sin sacrifice. He's that thing that we took to God and said, here, receive this because of my sins. And, and we didn't just take a turtle dove or, or, or some kind of lamb or, or something like that and say, receive that. No, the very son of almighty God, Jesus himself, here, I hope this is good enough for you, God. And it certainly is. The Lord Jesus Christ has been offered on my behalf. He would made him to be sin. He made him to be sin for us on the cross. Who knew no sin? Didn't deserve it. 
Imagine that, what Christ gave up for you and me. And the glories of God throughout time without end in God's presence in holiness and righteousness and goodness. And to walk away from that, come down on your level and my level, live like a man on this earth, die the death of a sinner at the cross. Die the death of a sinner, not his own, but yours and mine. Oh, my, I'll tell you what. Ain't nobody around here I know would do that for you other than Jesus. And he did it. He was made to be sin. It wasn't a thing to where he just said, oh, poor old Jesus. He just took the sins on top of his back and walked up to the cross and threw our sins at the cross. and walked. No, he was made to be sin for us. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, that he became a soul. His soul became a sin offering. Why do you think Jesus said at the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? Because he was a sinner. He died as a sinner's death on the cross, but not of his own. Those that were ours, he became. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. My, 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 what he's done for you. Oh, Lord God, hallelujah. I got to take advantage of something like that. I'll tell you what, you had ever somebody cook you a nice meal somewhere and that kind of stuff and give you a little something to eat and uh, you realize they went to a whole lot of trouble to fix it and a whole lot of, you know, ways to make it look right and this kind of stuff and just make it just perfect for you. You might have just got through eating, but you saw how much care and trouble they went to do that. Well, you just had to take another bite, didn't you? You didn't want to insult them. You didn't want to offend them by all the work that they did. Well, yeah, I'll have a bite with you. I'll do that. Well, my, God's given you everything. Don't insult him by not taking advantage of the free gift that he's given us. Hallelujah. Notice, he made him to be sin who knew no sin that we. See, we talked about a lot about what God's done, but what about the we? This is me now. That we, you and me, me, we, might be made, might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, instead of a sinner... I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No longer a sinner. I am not. I get, you know, mad every time I hear people say, we just all a bunch of sinners saved by grace. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I don't sin. I don't live a sinful lifestyle. I'm not walking in sin. Some people say, well, you got to sin every day. Well, let's just look at it. I got up this morning at 730. In the first half hour, what sin did I do? I don't, I can't think of any. Well, unless it's a sin to shave. We got two people here in church today, apparently think it is, but anyway. No, more than that. <laughs> but uh, no, shaving ain't a sin. Took a shower, brushed my teeth, and I don't think that's a sin either. Took my vitamins, that's not a sin. Drunk 16 ounces of water. I don't believe that's a sin. Listen to about 45 minutes of a message by Gene Lingerfield this morning from Texas. I don't think that's a sin. Got, you know, got everything together. Got our car out of the garage. Took it out and took the umbrella and let Sheila walk in her umbrella while I got soaked getting to the car. That wasn't a sin on my part. It might have been a sin on her part by letting me get soaked. But anyway, that wasn't a sin. Drove over here. Drove the speed limit. That wasn't a sin. Came into the church this morning about uh, 25 after 9. Well, that wasn't a sin. 
had music practice at 930 and practiced for the next 35, 40 minutes in music. I don't believe that was a sin. And had communion. I know having communion is not a sin. And here I am talking about the Word of God, and that surely is not a sin. What have I done today that's a sin? Well, you got to sin every day. Well, you just sinned because you told us you didn't sin. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Moses wrote in the book of Deuteronomy that he was the most humble man in all the earth. Right? He had to say it. It was true. Somebody say, pride, pride, pride. No, he was. He was. So this idea that you just, uh, uh, you know, a sinning nature in your heart and your spirit, you're just walking around looking for some kind of sinful thing to do, that's not the reborn spirit of God that he puts in us. That is not the child of God that you and I are in Christ Jesus. If you, listen, if you get saved, and before you were saved, you was an outright sinner, and get saved, and you keep on sinning, what do you get saved from? I don't know nothing you got saved from. If you keep on doing what you did before, you know, you got saved, and now you say you're saved, but you're still a sinner, quit saying that. You say, what should we say? You should say, I'm the righteousness of God in Him, in Christ Jesus. I'm not anything big or special. You're not either. But in Christ Jesus, he's made us big and special. He has made us his righteousness. In Christ Jesus, I am the righteousness of God. Not looking to sin. I just got to stay away from the news. Not looking to sin. You know, not, not, not doing that whatsoever. No, no, no. Have I sinned? Well, yeah, unfortunately, I have to say I have. Sadly, heartbreakingly. I've had to, that's been the case in my life I have. But as soon as I have, the Holy Spirit convict me of my sins. I say, well, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. Forgive me my sin. The Bible says, 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just forgive us our sins. And it cleanses us of all unrighteousness. If I get cleansed from all unrighteousness, all i got left is righteousness. And so you just keep walking in the covenant of God, just walking faithful before God, doing right things you're supposed to do. It's not hard. It's, it's the other big lie that we get taught in our society today that we can't do this and can't do that. I mean, they act like that, uh, Christians sometimes, they act like that if it wasn't, uh, you know, God supernaturally empowering them, they'd be the biggest sinner that walked on planet Earth. Well, not really. Uh, just as a human being, you, you got some integrity. I know people that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they do a lot of things right, if you will. They ain't out killing nobody today. They're not out shooting somebody today. They're not out robbing the bank today. They're not out cussing somebody else today. And so this idea that you can't live right and you can't live... Yes, you can. Somebody say, yes, I can. Why? We do it. We do it. The blood of Jesus empowers us. His grace, his mercy, his love is always there for us. And I'd, I'd have to be insulting God if I call myself a sinner. Imagine that. God just said, I just cleansed you of all your sins. You still calling yourself a sinner, Leon. How come? Don't you know I cleansed you and set you free? Everybody say, I'm free. I'm free. All right, turn with me now. So the great exchange is taking place. Let yourself be exchanged from sinfulness to righteousness. Be it. Just do that. Doing it now then. All right, look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Oh, my. Romans chapter 3. Verse 19. This restoration that Jesus has done for us this thing that he, reconciliation that he's done for us, this exchange that he's done for us has left you no outs but to be the righteousness of God. 
I want you to see that. I'm going to sort of drill that in. In Romans chapter 3, verse 19, let, let me give you something here. Now, don't get mad, throw dirt in the air, and holler and scream and all that kind of stuff. Speaking about the old church, I saw an old church picture up there. Sheila and I were uh, there in that picture, and uh, that, that was when the first church that we had, the Presbyterian church that we had down the street, and uh, we had leased that thing. And uh, that back door where you were at reminded me of this, that there's a lady one time stood up in the church. I mean, just said in the church, and said, Leon Bible, you had no right to say what you just said. And I'm leaving and got up and left. You say, what did you say? I said, I said that through the power of the name Jesus Christ, I have access to the Father, and I don't need no Catholic priest to get me there. She got so mad and stormed out of the back of that church right there. He said, what did I do? I said, thank you very much. I kept on teaching and preaching. Just never, never missed a lick. Never missed. I wasn't preaching to satisfy her anyway. I was preaching to satisfy God. But people sometimes get mad and angry about stuff, and it usually is not the part. I mean, you get in here and say, oh, I've had a hard time this week. Things have been terrible. I've backslid on God 14 times. I mean, my God, my God, I've been beating my wife all day long. She's at the hospital right now. I don't know if she'll make it or not. You said all that, well, oh, God, God will forgive you. We all, we know how you feel. We're all happy. I mean, you know, we, we all with you. But you say something like this, and people get mad at you. What is righteousness? It is the ability to stand in the presence of the Father God without the sense of guilt, condemnation, fear, inferiority, and with no consciousness of sin whatsoever. That's the righteousness of God. That's what Adam and Eve had before they sinned. And that's what Jesus got us back at the cross. If Jesus didn't get us back there at the cross, then Jesus failed at the cross, and he sure didn't fail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That ain't my definition now. I'd be that, 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 yeah, okay. That'd be my first sin of the day if I don't tell you whose definition that is. <laughs> that definition you can get. <laughs> two kinds of righteousness book by Brother E.W. Kenyon, all except the last three words, and you can pick those up in Jerry Savelle. But anyway, that is the definition of it, and it basically means you are now in right standing with God. I'm in good with God now. You're in good with God now. I'm in right standing with him. I don't have to go up to the Lord and say, oh, I better not show up because, you know, he's look at me and he got something against me. No, he don't have anything against me. Ain't nothing against me. He ain't got nothing against me. What you got to have against me? You don't have anything against me. Not, not, not anything. I'm in right standing with him. Somebody want to walk up to the portals of glory and God and say, you think we can go in now? Well, hold on, man. I'll go in and ask. I'll see if you can go in. No, I'll go in and ask God. Can they come in? He say, well, are they born again? He said, well, yeah. All right, bring them on in. See, because I got right standing with God. I, I, I can go into that place. I, I can do all of those kind of things. I mean, you know, you, you're in the right kind of relationship. I mean, I started to say a lot of people sometimes knock on the door and say, can I come in? Are you decent? I don't ask Sheila that anymore since we got married. I don't, you know. I'm in right standing. I can just go on in, I hope, can I? I just go on in. I, wow, I'm in right standing. I got a marriage certificate that tells me I'm right in standing. She, she promised I'd be in right standing. I promised it too. 
until death do us part. Neither was any dead yet. We're still in right standing. But some people don't want to think they ever get in right standing with God. They always think God's got something against them all the time. God, what are you mad at me for today? I mean, just thinking something bad about to happen all the time. And, of course, I went to a Presbyterian seminary, uh, a wonderful seminary. I, I really love it. Went there, but a big joke the Presbyterian folks would tell us and the, about, you know, thinking about uh, predestination and something's about to happen, and any bad thing that happened, then they'd make their little joke and say, well, I'm glad that's over and that's out of the way. Expecting it to come, expecting it to happen. I'm not expecting nothing bad to happen. Mm -mm, mm, I, if I see God right now, I'm, I'm not thinking God's going to say, now look, Leon, you're doing pretty good, but the few things right here got all against you. No, 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 no. I'm expecting him when he looks at me, he'd see me just like he sees Jesus. Somebody said, oh, boy, that's mighty high. Well, let's read it. Romans 3, verse 19. Now, we know. Everybody say, we know. We're not guessing, wishing, thinking, hoping. We know that what things over the law saith, it said to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Under the law of Moses, under the old covenant, under the law of Moses, in the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Torah, under that law of Moses, it told us about all of our sins. And we needed to know that. That was a good thing. The law is not our enemy in that regard. It, it told us those things. It brought us under sin. So we knew that, that we needed God. Made us guilty before God. Verse 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. It told us what the sin was. It told us what our offenses toward God, so to speak. But now, everybody say now. This is where you're at now. We're not talking about the law. We're not talking about Moses. We're not talking about the old covenant. We're talking about now. But now the righteousness of God without, without, without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. They look in on it, but it's not under the, the covenant of the law. Even the righteousness of God, which is by, what is it by? One more time, what is it by? It's by faith, not other law. Why are you righteous? Because I believe I am. Now, I can't have faith. I just can't say, well, I think everybody's all right. Nobody's saying you're all right, I'm all right, we're all right. I didn't say that. Our faith, when I use the word faith and the word belief as a Christian, faith cometh by the word of God. Hearing and hearing by the word of God. You only have biblical faith when you have Scripture to base your belief upon. So based on that, based on that, when we see that, we know that we are made righteous by faith of Jesus Christ, of what he did. I'm not believing in what I did. I'm believing in what he did. Believe in Jesus Christ unto all and to all them that believe. For there's no difference. There's no difference. Not, you know, anybody. Everyone's, we are equal before God. There's level ground at the foot of the cross. There is no difference for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. How many ever heard that verse? Romans 3.23, we memorize it only. For all of sin come short of the glory of God. Say so you want to talk to somebody about being saved? Well, why should I be saved? Because for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. And we sort of camp out there, memorize it, put it in iron, and, and it's a good one. It is absolutely true. I don't take anything away from it. But if I look at it, notice what it says. For we all have come short of the glory of God, and I see a semicolon there. It means period. You can stop there. It's complete. But you're not really through because it's got the comma. 
So it says a lot in what it just says, but there is more that follows. And the rest that follows is, for all of sin comes short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's where we're at now. Yeah, 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 I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have. I hadn't done it today. Remember, since 730 this morning I have it. But, you know, I have. But I came to Christ Jesus. I was saved. I was born again. And I have been freely justified by the grace and unmerited favor of God. I did that through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus at the cross. So our salvation don't depend upon you or me or structure or organization or anything on this earth. It depends upon the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did. So I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm the rights of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's who you are. That's who we are. So the devil can't make claim to you. you. Do you know this? That your understanding and revelation of righteousness is a very, very big prayer tool. Because John told us in John, you know, 1 John chapter 5, he told us if our heart does not condemn us, then we have faith toward God. Well, your heart will condemn you if, if you don't know you are the righteous of God or if you've never received Christ as Savior, you're walking condemnation. And you don't need to be. Receive the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then your heart condemns you not. Then you have faith toward God. And so we could talk about seven steps to answer prayer. Great, fine, love it, we'll do that. We could talk about that. But start from this bedrock foundation of I am the righteousness of God. That's who I am. I got a right to pray. I got a right to talk to God. I got a right to expect good things from the Lord. I got rights for it. Sheila and I went and had our, our physical on Tuesday. And, and, and you know, our, our wonderful daughter that we have here in Family Practice, great, wonderful man of God. I mean, just wonderful guy. I got so many stories I can tell about him. But uh, went in and just had a great report. Took a blood test and urine test and all these other tests and this test and that test and, and poked and jabbed and all this kind of stuff in our yearly physical that we did and walked out and I said, thank God. I said, thank God. Sheila and I sat down and we looked at our reports as they came through on my chart and all these tests were done and I looked at them and I said, I am so grateful. I am so thankful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I don't take prescription drugs. Don't take anything. Thank you, Lord God, for my health and my strength. I don't know of any sickness or disease in my body at all. It is not there. I give you praise. I give you glory. And the same time we looked and I said Sheila at the same time I said be thankful sweetheart because you know what sometimes people look at these kind of charts and they don't see what you and I just saw and we need to pray for every single person amen what that they would be healed yes yes that they'd be healed but they'd get a revelation of who they are who they are in Christ Jesus who you are what Christ has done for you at the cross and when you get that understanding revelation you'll begin to walk in tremendous prayer power in your own life it works look what he says being justified freely by His grace through redemption in Christ Jesus. Look, verse 25. Oh, whom God has set forth to be a perpetuation or mercy seat through faith in His blood. How is it you get there, Pastor? Through faith in His blood. I'm believing in the sinless, perfect blood of Jesus that was spilled on Calvary. Not the blood of a lamb that was born on earth. Not the blood of a turtle dove on this. None of that. I'm believing for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was without sin and imperfection. That's the blood I'm believing in. And because of that, God declares His righteousness. Somebody say, well, our righteousness is filthy rags. I agree. I'm not talking about our righteousness. We're talking about His righteousness. Somebody say His righteousness. 
God declared it, decreed it, his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, verse 26, to declare, I say, at this time, oh, and I get to heaven and be great. No, at this time, I'm declaring it right now, his righteousness, that he might be just or righteous and the justifier or the righteous maker of him that believe in Jesus. And that's you and that's me. I am that person that believes in Jesus. I'm the person that's been made righteous. That's you. Somebody say amen. Oh, the devil's got to run. Amen. He's got to go. He can't stay when you know who you are in Christ Jesus. He has no power. He has no authority. He can't do it. I'm moving that foot today. I'm thanking God. You know what? It's probably about three months ago. I didn't tell you, but about three months ago, I, saw, I had to have a healing foot some i don't know 15 years ago and god healed me a tremendous miracle about three months ago some of that same stuff began to come back into my foot again and i just heard the devil saying you know what here's what happens when you get older here's this you know when you get older some of these uh problems you had when you're earlier sort of affect you worse and they sort of sitting there and they sort of raise their head back i said no uh-uh no in the name of jesus no i'm not having it devil you got to go you got to go you got to go and i confessed it stood on it believed on it for about a month month after that and it began to society and it's gone 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 it's been gone now been gone now for almost a month now thank god for it and i'll keep believing and standing on the word of god just because you have a symptom come don't quit don't give up don't get let go of your faith don't let go of your confession stand on it in jesus name everybody say devil you have no power over me Mm -mm. we are god's children I'm the rights of God in Christ. The devil could say, to you, yeah, but because you're this filthy, no good sinner, I got rights in your life. He'd be right. He'd be true. But I'm not a filthy, no good, rotten sinner. That's not what we are. I've been washed and purged with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm just as righteous. Hold on. I'm just as righteous as Jesus is. How can that be, you say? How can you be just as righteous as Jesus? Because he's the one made me righteous. It's his righteousness that I'm talking about all this time. Amen? Woo! Somebody go, woo! Oh, my, my, my. My, my, my. Where am I at? Oh, look at Romans 10 real quick. Romans 10, verse 6. The righteousness which is of faith. The righteousness which of a faith speaks on this wise. Start talking your righteousness. Don't talk that down and out stuff they talk about. Don't let the world suck you into that these days. And boy, they are out there. And, I mean, they've got evidence compiling everywhere and all kind of stuff. I mean, the world right now, Lord willing, next few weeks, I'll be getting into some of this stuff. But there are deceptions that the devil let loose on this world like nobody's business. It's incredible what's going on on planet Earth right now and how many people have bought it and how many people have lived their life because of it. So many things. My God, where are we going in America? When you can see a little a toddler child... And they would start taking a child at the age of toddler, two and three years old, four years old, and, and, and convert it, change it from a boy to a little girl. Make those kind of, you should never make that decision in the first place, but make those kind of decisions even at that. When is the church going to stand up and say, no, 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 no. You and I are responsible for this earth while we're going through it. We're, we're shepherding through it right now. Don't let it change under your and my watch. Amen. No, sir, not, not my house. You can call yourself anything you want to in your own mind, but you're not bringing it out of my mouth. I'm still going to stay sane. Amen? God hadn't given me the spirit of fear. He gave me a sound mind. 
we have a sound mind. If you're out there in this unreal, unreality world, you're the one that's nuts. It ain't me. I got a sound mind. Glory to God. Well, bless the Lord. Look at Romans 10. The righteous which of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart. Don't say this. Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. Oh, Jesus was just here. Oh, Lord Jesus, if you just come down from heaven, help me. I know everything will be okay. Oh, Lord Jesus, if you just one more time go back to that cross and die and be buried and resurrect yourself just one more time, just for me. Oh, I, I know I could do well then. I know I could be right then. I, don't say that. Don't say that whatsoever. Don't. Jesus said this. It is expedient that I go away. It's the best for you that he goes away. What you wanted to come back and get second best for? Because he said it's better for you that I go away. Right? That's what he said. Better for you that I go away. Not stay. Go away. So we're living in that better life. Verse 8. But what saith it? How do you talk? Then what word should you have? The word is nigh you or close to you, even in your mouth and in your heart. There's two places for the word to be. Your mouth and your heart. Your mouth and your heart. <clears throat> Some of us been a lot of other things in our mouth. shouldn't be there. Some of us there because of our heart. And that's where it was. Because the Bible said in the book of Luke, chapter 6, for the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you fill yourself up with will come out of your mouth. So stop filling yourself up with stuff that you don't want to come out of your mouth. Okay? And so notice, where is the faith? It is close to you. How close? In your mouth and in your heart. You can't get no closer to you than your own heart. That's the center of who you are. The word is in your mouth and in your heart. Now, if you let in the word of the news media, or if you let in the word of this world, or the word of the wackos that are living in this world become your word, you've got big-time serious problems. You're not going to walk in this kind of victory. But the word is close to you in your mouth and in your heart. That's why I talked about in the healing uh, of that foot. The Lord just recently gave me when the devil tried to tap me again with that. Why did I mention that? I never told you nothing about that. Because it wasn't in my heart and it wasn't going to be in my mouth either. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. AJ and I were talking about the other several months ago. I said, AJ, what if you got this disease or that disease? AJ said, how would I ever know? And I said, I don't know. Why? He said, because I ain't telling it. We don't know what this boy's got. But anyway, <laughs> now we know what he's got. And we know what he's got. He got the blood of Jesus that washes away all of his sins. He got the stripes upon Jesus' back that heals all of his sickness and all of his disease. He's, got, he's satisfied with long life. Amen? Blessed and prosperous all the days of his life. Amen? And he reminded me the other day, he told me that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children. But so anyway, he's got that. He, he's a word man. He's a word man. Verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth. Somebody says he's talking about salvation. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about salvation. But it goes with everything. If he confess with his mouth the Lord Jesus and believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Ain't no more you got to do. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. That's what I said over and over again. Devil, you're a liar. You're not going to put this back on me in the name of Jesus. I won't have it. I will not have it by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're out of here. You're gone. My foot is well. It's healed. It's whole in Jesus' name. Not having it in Jesus' name. I said it and said it and said it. It was all in my heart. But I said it and said not to you. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the devil. Amen. It's a song, a, a, a writer many years ago, like a, a Leonard Ravenwood, something like that, years ago, that wrote this book, said, I talk back to the devil. 
He's a Presbyterian minister from New York. I'm missing his name right now. But I talk back to the devil. And you and I were to learn to do that. Talk back to the devil. What I try to do is not talk back to him, but talk first to him. Get up in the morning. Devil, you around here anywhere? If y'all see him, tell him I'm looking for him. Verse 9, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart. God's raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Thank God. That's where we are at. I got 15 more pages, but then we ain't going to get to it today. I don't think. No. I got 15 more pages. You, you can never end talking about the goodness and the grace of Almighty God and what he has made you and I. And unless you give a, uh, have a wrong idea, wrong impression, I stand before you today humbly and in the presence of God, so thankful and so recognizing that when God found me, I was lost and undone without God or his son, as the song we used to sing. And I was of all men helpless and most miserable in my life. I couldn't do anything. I was a complete failure in all the things of, of my life. I was headed for a devil's hell, but thank God Jesus found me. And thank God when he found me, when he came in my life, he gave me this life I now live. It is so much better now. And for all the trash and the terror and the heartache and the pain and the suffering and everything I had before him, he has replaced it mightily in my life. And I'm thankful for to him. And so he gets all the praise and all the glory. Somebody say amen. And stay with me this morning and go before the Lord in the name of Jesus we pray. In the name of Jesus we pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Blessed be the Just let your hands sort of just worship him real quietly where you're at in Jesus' name. As we honor him today, he's everything. He's everything. He's everything. Father God, you are everything in our lives. Without you, Lord God, we would be nothing. But, Lord God, we are not without you. And because we are with you, O oh Lord God, you have made us, Lord, the apple of your eye. Lord God, you have made us your desire in this earth, Lord God. And, Lord God, you've made many wonderful and great and precious promises unto us, your children, and you fulfill them all. And, Lord God, we thank you for what you do. You have made us worthy, made us meet to be partakers, Lord God, of the inheritance of the saints in this life that we live. And, Lord God, we give you praise and we give you honor in the name of Jesus, in the holy name of Jesus, holy name of Jesus. Blessed be your wonderful name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, in Jesus. And we're going to pray together. I don't want us to not pray. Miss Suzanne mentioned her granddaughter is having a surgery uh, this week on her ear where they'll be removing portions of her ear, I guess reattaching that and doing some things to her. She's asked for prayer for her granddaughter. We want to pray for her. Stretch your hands towards Suzanne as a point of contact this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up this precious young girl, Father God. You love her, O oh Lord. You are for her. We are very thankful, Lord God, for medicines and doctors and all the procedures that are available to us today, which have all come by your hand. We're thankful for those things. But, Lord God, even if those, Lord God, were, were not our final destiny or final desire, Lord God, your healing is. And so we pray, Lord God, touch her during this surgery, during this time. And God, minister to this little girl, Lord God, that she not suffer any kind of loss, but in fact increase in Jesus' name. May your hand be upon her. May the blood of Jesus cover her and see her through 
In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Stretch your hands for the heaven. Pray this prayer. Say, Dear Father, I come to you. I'm so thankful. Worlds without end. I could thank you. It still would not be enough. I am so thankful. Lord God, I want to please you in everything that I do. If there's anything in my life or my heart that's not pleasing toward you, Lord God, take it away. I don't want it anymore. Lord God, I give all of me and everything I am. I thank you, Father, that because of Jesus, I've been washed, I've been made clean, and I've been made whole. I recognize the goodness of God that is upon my life. I thank you, Father, that I can be in your presence where there is fullness of joy. And Lord God, I give you all of the praise, all of the glory. Thank you, Lord God, from my head to my toe, all of my physical body, you have paid the price for my healing. I receive my healing this day. And I thank you for touching my body. And Lord God, I give it unto you in Jesus' wonderful name. Thank you, Father, that in all of my relationships, I will show forth the grace and the love of God to everyone I meet. I thank you, Father. I have hatred, bitterness for no person, no man, no woman. I thank you, Father, that I dwell in your love for all mankind. Thank you, Lord God, that favor and the smile of God is on my life. And I give you praise in the name of Jesus. And I say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.